Highland, we are delighted this morning to welcome the Reverend Karen Zimmerman to our pulpit today. Um, I have to tell you all, um, Karen and I have known each other for several years. We've known each other since our seminary days um, back at McAfee School of Theology in Atlanta. Um, And I am happy to tell you all that Karen is a gifted minister and a wonderful friend. And I am delighted, Karen, to have you here with us this morning. And church, you're in for a wonderful treat today as well. I want to give you a little bit of background of why Karen is here and a little bit about the work that she has been doing. Karen is here in part to celebrate our partnership with the Protestant Church in Morocco, where she serves on the national pastoral team. She and her colleagues lead um, the diaconate branch of that ministry, the International Mutual Aid Community uh, Committee, which is active in 11 local parishes in Morocco, providing humanitarian aid and development opportunities to sub-Saharan refugees and migrants in crisis. Karen has been in Morocco since November of 2018, and after two years of language studies and a little thing known as a global pandemic, she began her full-time service with the Moroccan church in March of 2021. Before going to Morocco, Karen was the associate pastor at Peachtree Baptist Church in Atlanta, where she helped lead the church to become an international community. Karen earned her MDiv and MS degrees from Mercer University, and a Bachelor of Music degree from Salem College. Karen has experienced teaching elementary school, general music, managing a hospitality house for families of medically fragile patients, and living cross-culturally in Nepal. Karen loves to travel. She, and this is very important, she mentioned this several times this morning with the young adults. She has a rescue cat named Pickles, and her favorite household chore is hanging laundry to dry from her rooftop. And now, church, I also have to tell you in talking to Karen about being with us this week, I mentioned to her, I said, you're going to be in Louisville for the Kentucky Derby. That's really exciting. And she said, yeah, that's exciting. And then a little while later in our conversation, she said, wait, the Derby happens in Louisville? I thought it just happened in Kentucky. I didn't realize it was in Louisville. So, Karen, I hope you've enjoyed all the Derby festivities this weekend in our city. Um, But Karen, we are delighted to have you here with us this morning, friend. Thank you for being here with us. Our Hebrew lesson this morning is a very familiar passage from Psalms. For many of us, we've heard these words time and again, or perhaps this is the first time you are hearing them. I invite you to listen to these words from the psalmist. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. The Lord makes me lie down in green pastures, The Lord leads me beside still waters. The Lord restores my soul. The Lord leads me in right paths for God's name's sake. Even though I walk through the darkest valley, I fear no evil. For you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup overflows. Surely, surely, goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life. And I shall dwell in the house of the Lord my whole life long. This is the word of God for us, the people of God. Thanks be to God. Hello. 
Hello, Highland family. It is so exciting for me, so good for me to be here this morning with you in worship, especially because I've been looking forward to the opportunity to say thank you. You guys have been partnered with the Protestant Church in Morocco for a long time, and you're partnering very well. Thank you for investing in the work that God is doing among us. Thank you for being our brothers and sisters. Thanks for being good partners. I bring you greetings on behalf of the Protestant Church in Morocco and on behalf of our refugee and migrant ministry teams, as Justin said, known as the CEI. The CEI has 11 teams that are scattered throughout the country. Um, my colleague Nafka and I are responsible for those teams, pastoring those teams, leading those teams, training them. It means that we get to do a lot of traveling around the country, which I think is one of the perks of the job. Um, those of you who have been to Morocco before can imagine with me, we get to see incredible mountains and lush landscapes, coastlines, lots of expansive deserts, tons of olive trees, and thousands and thousands and thousands of sheep. <laughs> I wonder if you know the, the road trip game where you count livestock as you pass them in the car. This was before cell phones were really a thing. We are on the road so much that my colleague Nafkat and I have started playing this game pretty routinely. Anything that appears on the right side of the car counts as one point for her. Anything on the left side of the car counts as one point for me. And when we get to our destination, whoever has the most points wins the game. It keeps us entertained. Um, so we keep doing it. And cows are pretty remarkable. Every time we see a cow, we'll say, you see that cow over there? And we get a point. Donkeys are pretty remarkable. They usually get a special shout out. Camels are special. Whoever sees a camel automatically wins the game. They don't even have to wait till the end of the trip. But sheep, sheep are so utterly unremarkable that we usually just don't even mention them. It's impossible to count all of the sheep that you would pass in Morocco on any kind of road trip. Usually we just round up to the nearest 50 if we bother at all. Sheep blend into the countryside. I never knew that they had good camouflage, but we mistake them for rocks all of the time. And always, with every flock of sheep, Somewhere behind the sheep or off to the side, there's always a shepherd. To be clear, spotting a shepherd does not give you extra points. <laughs> but from our air-conditioned car, the shepherds also just kind of look unremarkable. I don't know much about shepherding, but I imagine the job of the shepherd is to make sure that the sheep don't get lost and to hang out with boring animals all day long and to search for grass for the sheep to eat. And if I happened to be talking to a local elder and he told me, Hakim is my shepherd, I would imagine that he had hired Hakim to do the dirty work of caring for his livestock investments. The Lord is my shepherd. 
God takes care of us, even when we feel as unremarkable as sheep. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. Really? We shall not want? That's a pretty bold thing to say because I made a list of things that I want. I want my grocery store in my neighborhood in Rabat, Morocco to start carrying Kraft macaroni and cheese. I want a vacuum cleaner with enough suction to actually clean my floors. I want eight days in every work week just so that I can hope to get something done. I want to be fluent in Arabic without having to study anymore. I want to know that in November we're going to have enough money in our budget so that we don't have to lay off my colleagues. I want to know that Carlos is going to recover from his leukemia. I want my friend Fatumata to get her residency permit so that she can walk around the streets of Rabat without having to worry about getting deported. I want wars and corruption in the Congo to stop so that my friend Abdel can return to his family there and try to rebuild his life and his country. What does it mean to not be in want when our world is broken and we have real needs and real pain? Is it naive for us to declare that we will never be in want again? Were the ancient Israelites crazy when they added this psalm to their hymnal? Or do they know something that we can only guess at? What if this is a conscious decision to trust? A resolution that we will put our hope in something far greater than we can understand? What if this is an acknowledgement of our limitations and of God's power? We shall not want because we belong to God. We shall not want because God is faithful. We shall not want because God is in control. We shall not want because God is a good shepherd. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. A declaration that we will be satisfied when we have enough and that God is enough for us. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. God makes me to lie down in green pastures. God leads me beside still waters. God restores my soul. There is nothing quite like living on the edge of the Sahara Desert to make you appreciate every drop of rain. Morocco has been in a long-term drought since before I arrived in 2018, and everywhere, all of the time, things look crispy. 
This year, right before I came back to the United States, we had a very productive rainy season. And every day, the news reports would give a listing of which water reservoirs had received rain and by how much quantity they had filled up. Rainfall is national news. And sure enough, the whole country has sprouted. Landscapes and mountainsides that used to be dry and barren are now lush and green. I've never seen deeper shades of green. And I imagine that the sheep are very happy. When good rains come, dried canyons of riverbeds suddenly swell up with water. I had a friend that almost died once in flash flooding in her city. Still water, water that does not dry up during drought, water that does not cause major destruction during rainy season, still water that is safe to rest beside, safe to drink, safe to use, still reliable water is life. He makes me lie down in green pastures. God leads me beside still waters. The Lord restores my soul. What is parched in your life? Where do you need God to bring life? How is God restoring your soul? God leads me in right paths for his name's sake. We are God's sheep, and theoretically, everyone knows it. One day I got into a taxi, and I greeted the taxi driver with a standard Arabic greeting, Salamu alaikum, peace be upon you. He returned the peace back to me, and then he asked me with a lot of curiosity, are you Muslim? And I told him the same thing I tell everybody who asks me. No, I'm not Muslim, I'm Christian. And he nodded his head and he said, that's good, Christian good. It's a response that I get a lot. It's a question that I get a lot. Most people expect me to be Christian just because they, they think that Americans generally are. And most people seem pretty pleased to know that I take my faith seriously because they're also going to take their faith seriously. So the question usually gets a lot of nods of approval and maybe some questions. And sometimes, especially with friends, it's an opportunity for them to ask me lots of questions. It turns out it's really hard to explain the Trinity. People in my society, just like people here, they know that we're Christians. It's not a secret. They are watching us to know what sort of people we are. How do we react to disappointment? Where do we turn when life gets hard? They're wondering about the God that we worship. They're studying us, our habits, our examples. We represent something much larger than ourselves. We represent the kingdom of God. We do not have the luxury of being Christians in name only. Either our actions glorify or tarnish the name of the God we claim to serve. Jesus told his disciples that the world would recognize us by the way that we love each other. And sometimes I wonder if our love 
is distinctive enough. God leads me in right paths for God's name's sake. The paths we take say something about the God we trust. He leads me in right paths for God's name's sake. Even though I walk through the darkest valley, I fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. I want to tell you the story of my friend Pierre and how God has been with him in the valley of the shadow of death. Pierre is from the central African country of Cameroon. His village was raided when he was a young teenager, and the terrorists killed everybody in his family except for him and his younger sister. They managed to escape, and they fled to the countryside. They had nowhere else to go, so they ended up in the hands of human smugglers who told them that they would be safe. Somewhere along the way, Pierre got separated from his sister, and he told me that was a pain that was worse than death. The smugglers took him across the Sahara Desert, which is an expensive journey, a journey that Pierre had no means to afford, and so when they got to Libya, the smugglers sold him to government officials to be enslaved for manual labor. Pierre worked long hours on a farm with many other people for no pay until a European nonprofit organization came and rescued them from their enslavers. Things were looking hopeful, except one of the conditions of the rescue was that he returned to Cameroon, where he had no family, no connections, and the terrorists were still occupying his village. He could not go home. So, Pierre escaped from the rescue organization that had freed him from slavery, and he found himself once again in the hands of traffickers that took him again over the Sahara Desert. This time he ended up in Morocco, and he came looking for help in the church. He was selected with a few other people to participate in a job skills training program. Pierre learned how to be a carpenter. He's one of the most gentle people I have ever met in my life, and he frequently builds stuff with his carpentry experience around the church. He lives in Agadir, and as is often the case, one day, Pierre was rounded up by the police and taken to prison with about 20 other people as they awaited deportation back to Cameroon because they didn't have legal status. The pastor of our congregation in Agadir went to the prison, pointed to Pierre in the crowd, and said, you can't have him. He belongs to us. And miraculously, the police listened and released him into our care. And Pierre says that if it was not for God's love shown through the church, shown through his life and through his experience, he would not be alive. As long as he's able, he intends to stay put in Morocco. He wants to stay in Agadir. He's one of the leaders of our team that is doing refugee and migrant ministry 
in good, hard ways to the community that he knows intimately. He reconnected with his sister through Facebook. She's in West Africa, she's doing fine. Pierre doesn't know what the future holds. Theoretically, he could be deported at any moment because there is no way for him to legalize his status. But he's got a big family now. And he has seen God's faithfulness shine through even the darkest of valleys. Even though I walk through the darkest valley, I fear no evil. For you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. God's steady hand is at work, even through our dark, lonely, painful times. God stays with us no matter what. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup overflows. One time I was selected to host one of our partners who came to visit us in Morocco from Germany. I got that privilege because I speak English and I know how to drive a car. This partner wanted to explore the Moroccan countryside, so we got in the car and we drove until literally the road ran out. I was scared to drive much further. We stopped and we got out of the car and wouldn't you know it, we found a shepherd and some sheep who were very surprised to see us. And as soon as we started talking, he insisted that we come to his house and meet his family. And we had no reason to say no, so we said, okay, we'll come to your house and meet your family. And when we got there, it was shocking. All of the women were sitting around in the living room, and women don't just sit around in the living room. There was lots of mint tea that was super sweet, flatbreads that had already been prepared, boxes with chocolate in them. It was all very confusing. It's like we were the, the expected guests that they had known of our arrival which is, of course, not true. They were celebrating a feast because of a baby girl that had been born one week ago. This was her naming ceremony. But for a minute, it really did feel like they had prepared something for us, that we were the guests. It was very special. That lavish welcome that we experienced in a shepherding community in the middle of nowhere Morocco that is nothing compared to what God's got prepared. The menu at God's table is full of joy and peace and hope. And all of it's covered with a delicious layer of love. The God who has walked the weary road with us calls us to come and rest to receive the gentle hug of the comforter, to be restored and made new. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup overflows. God's goodness cannot be contained. 
Surely, goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life, even on the hard days, even on the anxious days when we wait for a diagnosis, even on the gut-wrenching days of deepest grief, even on the days of confusion or injustice when it feels like the bad will never win over the good, even on our worst days, even today. Surely, goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord my whole life long. In many languages of the Middle East, including Arabic and ancient Hebrew, to say the house of someone can mean both the place where they actually live, the brick and mortar of their house, Or it can refer to the extended family that is created through the lineage of one common ancestor. So to say the house of the Lord, we are saying both the place that God has prepared for us as much as we are also saying the people to whom we belong. I'm usually the only American in my circles. Everyone wants to know where I'm from. I think they're expecting me to say that I'm from New York or Los Angeles or maybe Texas. Turns out, not many people have heard of Danville, Virginia. And that's okay because I didn't grow up there. So if they're game for a conversation, I'll go through the whole list of places that I've lived in my life. And it is quite a lot more than anyone bargained for when they asked me that question. That's okay. I like that I'm from a lot of different places because it makes me who I am. But that's not all of who I am. No matter where I am, I belong to the house of the Lord. My clan, my tribe, my people, whether that's here in Louisville, Kentucky, or on the other side of the Atlantic, we are bound together as beloved community, as children of God. We dwell, we rest We find community. We are restored among the people in the house of the Lord, both already and eternally. What a wonderful gift to belong. And I will dwell in the house of the Lord my whole life long. How do we learn to trust the Good Shepherd? Well, we lean on what we know to be true and the witness of generations of faithful people before us that God is compassionate to care for us, that God will comfort and protect us, that God is preparing a place for us a place of restoration and rest, and not just for us, but for the whole wide world. And that sounds like good news to me.